Oh, yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is a toothbrush called a toothbrush? When we clean all of our teeth, surely it'd be a teeth brush, wouldn't it? Do you not think? Yes. A bit early in the show. <sighs> <laughs> Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, with tonight's guest somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivist and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. Apparently they do because they're laughing. You always laugh at your own jokes, don't you? I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? Much if you've listened to our show over the last two years. So without any further ado, let us embrace the week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that it is hard to explain rhetorical questions to kleptomaniacs because they always take things too literally. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. It's a very cerebral joke early on in the show. What's that mean? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim found out this week that if you sit on an iceberg for a long period of time, you get Polaroids. Welcome to the show, Kim. (laughs) 
Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Last night, Greg played a blank CD at full blast, and the mime next door went nuts welcome to the show greg that was kind of fun too <laughs> it was good time had by all wow can you believe this series two episode eight eight is a fabulous number do you know in revelations the antichrist is the eighth king apparently which now makes me wonder what the first seven were anyone know we should have paid more attention at sunday school the number eight is considered a lucky number in the Chinese culture because it sounds similar to their word for wealthy, which is pin yin. I swear, every week, there's a lucky number in the Chinese culture. They're all lucky. Every single one's lucky, Everything. apparently. Well, did you know when the Beijing Olympics were held in 2008, they were started on the 8th of the 8th, 2008, at eight minutes past eight, because they thought that was their lucky number? How many medals did they get? I think they probably came top of their medal table, I suspect, with America's second, without looking at any data, because obviously... They jinxed us. Well, I think they cheated more than anything, but we'll <laughs> leave that there. Scorpio is the eighth astrological sign of the Zodiac. Uh, what does being a Scorpio mean to you, Heather? Everything. It basically means that if you say something to Heather that she's unhappy with, she won't do anything about it. Nope. But three years later... You'll be quietly walking along and she'll club you over the head with a golf club till you're unconscious. And as you're coming round and gaining sentience in a pile of your own teeth and blood, you'll say, what was that for? And she'll say, well, three years ago, you said this. So if anyone's married to a Scorpio, <laughs> that's true. That is what you've got to look forward to. I'm an Aries, so I'm going to give it to you both barrels now. And I've also got a Scorpio rising, which means I'll give it to you again in three years. See how that works? <laughs> in slang, an eighth is a common measurement of marijuana, of course. Marijuana? Marijuana. Right. You shouldn't have done that before the show. Meaning an eighth. <laughs> God, I wouldn't be able to talk, probably, if I did an eighth in one go. And you'd be hungry. You'd be very... I'd be gnawing at the table and Greg's leg. I am... Um, if we're in a plane crash, I'll think I'll go for Greg's... He's got a very shapely calf, if you not noticed. Wow. I mean, I like him as a friend, so I'm not going to eat him all at once, but I'd start on a calf. You know, you could run a skewer through the shin bone and just turn it slowly so the fat drips on your potatoes. I haven't given it too much thought. You can't tell me that no one else in the room hasn't looked at their friends and thought which one they're going to eat first if they're ever in a plane crash. I'm sorry, no, I, just, I haven't done that. Just me? No. Okay, well, I've embarrassed my family. I've embarrassed my friends. I've embarrassed my country. Here's for a point. Straight off the bat, I'll get you a point if someone can tell me why in Britain we call that an Henry. Oh, call what? what in Henry? We call an eighth of an ounce a Henry. Is there silence? Oh, oh. I'm Henry the Eighth, are you? Well, you could Henry almost the hear the cogs twirling round. If it wasn't for that WD forty, she would never have got there. I'm going to give you a point. Yes, we call it a Henry because an Henry the Eighth. You see, see how that oh. works. I will give people a second point if they can tell me what the same amount is for cocaine. What is that called? Any ideas? You can, well, it's quite good, in fact, that you don't know in many respects, doesn't it? Because that would mean, obviously, you know, you have a, an unhealthy knowledge of uh, drug-related weights, I guess. That's called an eight ball, apparently. So I'm led 
to believe. And that's why an eight ball has a I have heard that term on movies. You're not getting the point afterwards now. You know that. (laughs) This is a very interesting uh, set of uh, series we've got coming up. We're on Dark Matter Radio now, darkmatter.net, where we're going out live to the nation and beyond at 10 o'clock central time on a friday night on darkmatter.net but if you're listening to the show at the moment and you want some extras there are things at the end of the show that we can't possibly say live on air we have a 20 25 minute extra part of the show called not for your mother which we couldn't possibly do for common decency it is laden with innuendo and the stories of the week that we can't say live on air so if you're interested in listening to the parts of the show we can't broadcast you need to go to soundcloud and type in MQTA Radio, and they will all be there archived for your listening and your perusal. We went to the St. James Hotel on an investigation last week. Do you we re- did. It's a fabulous building. It was built back in the 1880s. It was constructed because they dug the basement out of a burial mound, a Native American burial mound. And then they wonder why the place is haunted, of course. And it makes you wonder, when you're in the basement and you put your hand against the river rocks on the wall, it makes you wonder if just a few feet on the other side of that wall, there's a body. But of course, it's very famous for having a phantom floating head. We discussed that in depth, I believe, on uh, last week's show. But uh, we had a fabulous time investigating there. If anyone fancies a trip out to Red Wing in the uh, Wisconsin-Minnesota border there at the uh, St. James Hotel, I recommend that highly. The staff are fabulous. The rooms are fantastic. They're very old, full of antiquities. And the food is fantastic, so uh, you'd have a good time, and uh, you could probably investigate as well. I know that the uh, concierge there has some DVRs that they will hand out to you, and you can go and investigate your room and go and pick up EVPs and the like. But I was just wondering what people's thoughts were about doing that investigation this weekend. Heather, what do you recall from investigating the St. James Hotel? I think the most fun thing that I can remember is that funny thing in the basement when we had a vigil all together. Yes, I, I will mention Scott's become a, an omnipresent theme in our radio shows. He's our team leader from uh, up in Superior there in Wisconsin. I have to say fair play to Scott. This is what happened. We were all down in the basement investigating, and they have a vault area down there where back in the day I'm sure businessmen would have kept their money and their products while they were staying in the hotel and they'd have been locked away. So we're doing an investigation in the basement with the guests, and we hear a clanging noise or a thump coming from the vault so scott being very professional picks up his dvr and says i'm going to put my dvr in the bank vault and we'll see if we can hear the noise again and we're in complete darkness yes and because he's a trained paranormal investigator he does all of his best work in the shadow so he didn't bother to turn on a flashlight he just strolled in in complete darkness i've done this before i've run cables through basements of buildings and then realized halfway down there that i've not got a flashlight and i'm actually working in the dark and you think ah perhaps i should have brought a flashlight with me fresh right yes absolutely a fresh fresh batteries in my fresh light (laughs) and uh subsequently he went to put his dvr are in the vault unbeknownst to him and the rest of the team one of the guests thought it'd be fun to follow him in there and she didn't tell anyone so as soon as he turned around from laying his dvr on the floor in the darkness he turned around and there was this figure of a woman standing in the darkness literally three <laughs> foot away from him and uh, he the screamed scream was he screamed like a girl so uh, lots of fun was had and we discussed did we not new t-shirts for future Absolutely. events if anyone's interested in buying a t-shirt we will get them on our website intparanormal.net very soon but we've got t-shirts coming along now that says uh, if you make scott scream you're in the team <laughs> <laughs> kim do you have any uh, recollections from the weekend that you want to share with anybody actually i do um we Is were it about doing scott screaming like a girl or no but okay 
he would have maybe screamed had he been in the on the same vigil. Uh, we were doing a vigil in the basement, and the room we were in was huge. So there was seven or eight of us, and right. we were spread out probably 12 to 15 feet apart from each other. And I was sitting at a six-foot-long dining banquet table, and all of a sudden the table was moving. And I'm looking to my left and my right to see if anybody's doing anything to the tables, and nobody's nobody's touching the tables. The only one that was touching the table was myself. I was taking notes on top of it. These tables are huge as well. I mean, it takes three fully-grown men to kind of drag them across the floor. They're solid walnuts, some of them, aren't they? The the moving that it was doing felt like when you're sitting next to somebody who's bouncing their leg. Right. Yeah, like a, I've, I've experienced table tipping back in Britain. Um, I've got a good friend who does table tipping where you'll sit around a table with your hands on it and the table kind of levitates in the darkness. It always makes me very suspicious, you know, that he's uh, he's obviously got some talents that, uh, you know, I probably haven't been aware of. But uh, that always mm-hmm. makes me wonder whether he's doing it with his foot or something else. But ultimately, I've experienced that. And it's very, very odd. Greg, have you got anything you want to add to the weekend? Yeah, down in the basement, I was watching uh, through the FLIR camera, thermal imaging camera, and uh, watching a figure come around a corner at the top of the steps and come partway down, and somebody walked over in that area, and it went back up and kind of kept seeing something peek around the corner. And It was a just, humanoid figure, wasn't it? And because yeah. uh, your, your thermal imaging camera shows humans normally as being figures that are made up of sort of reds and oranges and yellows because we're hot, Um, I actually saw this image, and it was a humanoid figure, but it was all in blue, so it was cold, and it walked down the stairwell, and we could see the stairwell, and there's nothing there to our our physical eye, but looking through the camera, you can see this shadow figure kind of walking down, and as one of the investigators went out to look, it ran up the stairs and disappeared again, so that's true. We had a lot of interesting things happen there, so if you go onto Facebook and friend the St. James Hotel in Red Wing, we are going to be doing these events a couple of times a year now so keep an eye open for that and uh, you can join us and experience some of those paranormal activities i would just like to say thank you to the saint james hotel and scott for being such a wonderful host for that event it was fabulous yes everyone down there is called scott so i just call everyone scott now and it kind of covers them if i forget someone's name i've even called greg scott now just to make it easier to be perfectly honest if you forget it's gavin (laughs) If I forget it's Gavin or possibly Colin as a backup plan. (laughs) We limp with chains dangling and our sheet caught in the door as the thermal imaging camera picks up our figure descending down the stairwell into the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. I will start tonight with a story that says a husband claims his wife is nagging him from beyond the grave about her slippers. (laughs) A henpecked husband (laughs) claims he is still being nagged from beyond the grave he needs an exorcism quickly ted wiseman 79 claims he is being browbeaten from the spectral plane by his fiery wife yvonne but he says he's over the moon that his wife is still finding time from the other side to give him an ear bashing it's terrible isn't it when you've embraced eternal life in heaven and you have all the things you want but you still choose to come back here to give your husband a good nagging. What is she missing in heaven that she can't get back here nagging her husband? The chance to nag her husband. Absolutely. The former lollipop man. Do you know what a lollipop man is in this country? <laughs> like school crossing person who stops the traffic for the kids to get across the road. What would you call that? A crossing guard. Okay, the crossing guard man. <laughs> He's got a giant lollipop in his hand that says stop written on it, children, and he runs out into the street and he gets run over type of thing. Old people tend to do it. It's a good job for retirement. You turn up at sort of three o'clock in the afternoon and help the kids get across the road. Which pays more, that or a Walmart greeter? 
uh, difficult to tell, but I will do some research on that and I'll come back to you. He says he's often received the hairdryer treatment from her via a medium. He said Ivana, he's often received hairdryer treatment. Have you never heard that? At a salon. <laughs> you, know, you know, when you get a lot of hot air in your face when someone's shouting at you. You must have seen baseball coaches front up to people on a, on a playing field and kind of shout at one another. That's called I've the hairdryer. I've never heard that You've before, never heard that? Ever. I'm glad I'm experiencing giving the gift of English to my American cousins. Yes, he received the hairdryer treatment via a medium. He said Yvonne issued a very blunt message to her hubby through the clairvoyant. You're wearing my slippers. Take them off now, she says. Ted claims that Yvonne, who died following a stroke last May at the age of 64, adopts a more hands-on approach when it comes to Ted's annoying bedtime habits. Do you have any annoying bedtime habits, Greg? No, I don't. He said she recently woke up with him (laughs) bellowing. She was bellowing in his ear, apparently. Stop bloody sniffing. (laughs) <laughs> i was absolutely gobsmacked said ted from hell's owing in the west midlands that was her that was exactly what she used to say she also got very irritated when i flicked my fingers or i sucked my teeth at least he's not sucking someone else's teeth or the their pe- fingers what's he doing flicking his fingers <laughs> the pensioner admitted she was the gaffer do you know what a gaffer is no what's the person in charge the boss Okay. So this is three things you've learnt tonight. Hairdryer treatment, lollipop man. And gaffer. Typically gaffer, gaffer refers to electrical. Gaffer tape. The boss's tape, I guess. <laughs> she was the gaffer. If you did something wrong, she would let you know. Well, that's what you want from a wife, isn't it? Ted and Yvonne were married for 46 years and had two children and five grandchildren. Son David still lives in the three-bedroom townhouse that has been the family home for 39 years. Fiercely house-proud Yvonne, who liked everything to be in its place, first made her presence felt at an Indian restaurant. David, (laughs) David, 45, and Ted watched nonplus as a dish glided across the tablecloth to its rightful place. Well, perhaps it was just bad korma. (laughs) An extensive knowledge of Indian food is required to get that joke. But trust me, it's funny. Since then, Yvonne has been at pains to make sure everything's in order on the home front. True to form, she's roaming the property they once shared, switching off lights and putting items back in their correct drawers. I wonder if she can come up to my house for a couple of hours a week. The constant visits have made Ted a firm believer in the hereafter. I was a sceptic. And now, he added, believe you me, I'm seeing it. It's happening in front of me. So the question is, do you think nagging is a residual haunting? No. If he sat in a chair every night before dinner and she shouted to him, you know, stop sucking your teeth or uh, wash your hands before dinner or have you put the garbage out? Would you not think over a period of time that may become a residual haunting? Is her nagging a residual haunting is what I'm saying. No, if every be. single night she rolled over in bed for 49 years they were married and said stop sniffing after she's passed is that a residual haunting no okay apparently not we move on <laughs> to the next story i shall give myself three fabulous points heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings florida man claims he is the devil the world is ending it's ending it is in florida he's the it might devil. Be. Oh, yeah. so he's mm-hmm. saying that. Well, yep. we already know he's the eighth king because we discussed that at the beginning. Does he claim to be the eighth king, the Antichrist? Uh, not so much. Okay. 
Ashton Black said he was just a normal guy working at Ace Cash Express when the devil approached the counter where he stood late one night. It's interesting. His last name is Black, isn't it? Straight off. Yes. That's interesting. Now I'm going to quote him. Satan was about 10 foot tall, had huge 12 inch horns, and he was red, Black said. He told me that he wanted to enter me. I said, okay, why not? Wow. He became a gas substance and entered through my belly button. Through his what? (laughs) Well, that could have been worse, couldn't it? I'd like to enter you. Okay. (laughs) Oh, cheeky. It felt totally intense, like I had just smoked PCP. What's PCP? Drugs. Oh, okay. I believe, right? We'll have to look that up. We're already aware that we have a very limited knowledge of drug taking around this table, thankfully. Well, at that point, he said, I became Satan. Black slash Satan is coming out to give people an important message. So you better listen up. So he's a Walmart greeter now. No, no, no. I'm helping you. Thank you. People have until July 24th, 2015 to accept me as their master. I plan to kill billions and billions of humans. Those who do not- there isn't billions and billions. There's seven point two. Well, those are billions and billions. Okay, there's just seven, <laughs> seven lots I of. I didn't a say a billion billions. No. I said billions and billions. I'm just clarifying for when that day comes, so I know if I'm going to be in with a chance of surviving yes, or not. But those who do not bow down to me will be ripped to shreds by my demons. Those who accept me will be given eternal life in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is the very epitome of hell, I'm guessing. It's as hot as hell down there, if that helps. The world as people know it ends in July. So my choice is I get thrown into a fiery pit of hell or after I live for an eternity in Florida. That's right. That's a difficult one, isn't it? That's a sticky one, is that? Uh, Thorny. Well, now this is going to help. Black said prayers to God will not help their fates as he killed God. He's killed God, and Jesus. Okay, Jesus is already dead. And the Holy Spirit that doesn't exist. That's and not the Virgin Mary this past fall. Oh, that was a, that was a busy weekend, wasn't it? And then he cut the grass and put the garbage out. Wow. He said they're all dead. They're all dead, Dave. <laughs> Black said, "I'm your only hope now. Accept me as your Lord and Savior, or die. Nobody can escape me." When's the lucky date again? Mark May. it on your calendars, July. 24th july 24th of this year wow mark it down what is the date of the paracon oh yes we have a big event coming the up in long prairie yes a big okay, ufo so it'll be event after that i was, well, after. Yeah, I was worried i was worried we were making this plans to do a paracon and then uh, you know if the end of the world was going to come i wouldn't have bothered i you know i was thinking <laughs> of planting some trees this spring but i'm not sure i'll bother anymore <laughs> kind of put a dampener on that to a degree isn't it yeah but a lifetime in florida I've got a lifetime watching the Miami Dolphins. I mean, just that's just, Sad, just isn't the worst it? thing. I'm going to have to think long and hard about which way I'm going to go on this one. I didn't think any of this happened until Revelations. And I thought Corinthians said that, you know, there's a place in heaven for for people that are prophets and for, for teachers and disciples and the like, you know. I have issue with this. I'm going to write to the man. I think he's got his dates wrong. <laughs> dear, <laughs> dear Satan. Dear, dear, dear Mr. Deville. <laughs> I think he's French. <laughs> Fabulous. I shall give you points because it was interesting, informative. And funny. Mildly. Oh. You are now on four. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Officer placed an, on administrative leave for allegedly tickling a corpse. 
tickling a corpse. Yes. Did it move? <laughs> if it did, you've got problems. Did it giggle is the question. Oh. It's like a tickle me Elmo. Tickle you Elmo. Is Elmo dead? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I'm really upset. I can't, tell me that's not true. I know he's not, he's not worked for a long time and I know he had an alcohol problem, but I thought he was sorting that out and getting his life back on track. Where is Elmo? So where is he being tickled then? In this the mortuary. Is in, this is in Bakersfield, California. Officer Aaron Stringer placed on pay, paid administrative lead for allegedly tickling the corpse of a man shot by officers. The Medal of Valor recipient is under investigation for tampering with a body and joking about tickling his feet. According to a police statement from Monday, the corpse is the body of Ramiro Villagas, 22, who was killed after a car chase. Stringer, along with a probationary officer in training, went to the crime scene, but he was not actively a part of the shooting. Just a random tickler. Yes. (laughs) He then proceeded to go to a hospital to view the corpse. The probationary officer, Linda DeGear, says a sheet lay on top of the body and was situated on top of a gurney. Another officer, who was assigned to maintain a vigilant eye on the body, said gunshots could be seen on the head, eye, arm, and genital area. DeGear said Stringer placed gloves on his hands, pulled off the sheet, and examined the body's injuries. He then touched Villagas's feet and uttered the words, tickle, tickle. This is in his spare time because he's not actually being employed at this moment in time. He's, on, he's off duty. So this is yes. more like a hobby. Yeah. Corpse tickling for beginners. Yep. Idiot's guide to corpse tickling. First oh. get your corpse and then you need a series of feathers. It's terrible. Uh, it says he pulled on the man's toes on the right side and said rigor mortis hadn't set in. He said to Gear that he loves playing with dead bodies and then he chuckled. <laughs> the other officer in the room said he saw Stringer make contact with Villagas's foot and grab hold of his jaw. According to the Californian police chief, Greg Williamson was disturbed by Stringer's alleged comments and touching bodies is not allowed during an officer's training. I wonder if he was trying to do some sort of ventriloquist act where he's got the dead body and he's going, I'm not going back in the box. I'm not going back in the box. No? No. You've got a dead body? No. No? Just, no. just you know, saying. No. I'm just, that's very odd, isn't it? There's it a is. lot of strange people playing with dead bodies at the moment. It worries me. Well, then it goes on to finish the article by saying it isn't a crime. It's I was, disgusting, but it's not a crime. Do you know what? When you were reading that out, I was thinking, I wonder what crime he's broken. He hasn't. That's very odd. Interfering with dead bodies, apparently, is not a crime. There you go. No Who crime. knew such thing? Informative and uh, interesting. Kim, I shall give you three. I have a story here that says dismembered samurai ghost photobombed a little girl's holiday picture. A dad believes a holiday snap with his little girl may have been photobombed by a dismembered body of a samurai ghost. The child innocently posed for a series of snaps at a beach in Zushi in Kanagawa, Japan, while on holiday from Canada. After taking five shots on his Samsung Galaxy smartphone, the dad looked back and spotted the mysterious black boots behind the child. A puzzled family friend has now shared the images on Reddit, asking people for their theories on the chilling images. He said, my friend took the pic of his kid. He's a bit too disturbed by it all to post them himself, so I'm doing it for him because I'm fascinated by it. Nobody was around when the photo was taken and certainly nobody was behind her. He took about five photos of her at this spot over a period of about two minutes. I've known this guy for years and I trust him. It has definitely not been photoshopped. And the man insists no one was behind the girl when the picture was taken. The scene of the shot is close to the site of the samurai tombs hidden in amongst the mountains nearby. 
Samurais were noble fighters in ancient Japan who were often portrayed as having worn body armour and boots. The Reddit user added, they looked more like samurai boots to me. We just can't explain this. Uh, perhaps they were Yvonne's slippers. What do you think? Have you seen this photograph? It's very I odd. Yes. You've got a picture of a little girl standing by some cliffs and behind her, just between her legs where she's standing, just through the, her legs, you can see what looked like a, another pair of black legs with some boots on. And it looks like kind of samurai armour, I would guess. But the rest of the body's missing. So behind her, she's only a little girl. If there was a samurai standing behind her in full body armour, you'd see the whole body. But all you're seeing is the legs and then they kind of disappear and there's no other body from that. But aren't on. they the masters of disguise? <laughs> I'm just going to disguise myself as a mountain scene in Japan. Oh, damn, I've forgotten my legs. It's a dead giveaway. I saw the samurai approaching because he forgot to camouflage his leg in mountain scenery. I've been a fool. Perhaps he missed the day they did camouflage of the knees and feet and he did the rest of the course. He was ill that day, had a bad chest infection. What's wrong with you? It's a very interesting photo, but I'm dubious of anything I see now because Photoshop is so That's fabulous. Right. You can put anything anywhere. But if you wish to judge for yourself to see if there was a day the Samuel Warrior forgot Samuel to attend. Y. Forgot to attend. <laughs> Samuel <laughs> Forgot to attend the day they were camouflaging their feet and legs in mountain scenery. <laughs> you are more than welcome to see the picture yourself. By going to my Facebook site, More <laughs> Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, where you can see all of tonight's stories and all the video footage and photographs that go along. Despite Heather's protestations, <laughs> I shall give myself a couple of points for introducing the word samurai to the English <laughs> language. We move on to the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men, it's hairy beasties. I will start tonight's round with a UFO story. It says government confirm mysterious object is not made by man. A UFO that was sighted in Chile is not a known object made by man, according to the country's government. Officials released the footage after completing a thorough investigation and have announced in a report that the mysterious object is not one they recognise. They confirmed that the silver disc seen in the clip was approximately 10 metres in diameter and performed with vertical, horizontal movements that no other aircraft can do. According to Chilean media reports, scientists at the Centre for the Study of Anomalous Aerial Phenomena, the CEFAA, confirmed it is not any weather phenomenon or any other object made by man. That's fabulous, isn't it? The Centre for Study of Anomalous Aerial Phenomena fantastic three times i had trouble saying it twice i'm not going to bet on a third the footage was originally shot in april 2013 by miners who were working at the copper mine in north chile initially they chose to keep the clip quiet under wraps for fear of what being year was that ridiculed originally the shot of the ufo in chile was filmed by miners in april in 2013 so this is current news yeah and it's only just been shown because apparently <laughs> snow white <laughs> It's very judgmental and not easy to get on with, so they've only just released it. <laughs> but later showed the clip. <laughs> it's not my fault she lived with seven midget miners, is it? <sighs> Where are we? The witnesses who have chosen to remain anonymous, but one was smiling a lot, one was sneezing a lot, and one was going red, revealed that the object hovered in the sky for over an hour and did not make any sound other than the sound of someone snoring distantly in the background. 
Officials ruled out experimental aircraft, weather balloons, or other military drills that could explain the incident. No disrespect to Chile, and, and Lord knows we've alienated at least three countries every week since we've been on air. But if the Chilean government says that they don't recognise this object, so subsequently say it's not man-made, again, no disrespect to Chile, but if the Americans, for example, have aircraft in development that they've decided to fly over South America, why would Chile know absolutely anything about that? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. I'm saying that the American government has military aircraft far in advance of what the Chilean Air Force has, is what I'm suggesting. Yes. Without disrespect to my Chilean friends. Yes. Of which I know one. Yes. So I just thought that was an interesting thing for a government to say, that it was not a man-made object. What the government has just said in Chile is that's an alien aircraft. If it's not man-made, by default it's an extraterrestrial, isn't it? And the government has said that. I think that's a remarkable story. Although everyone's looking at me very oddly as if I'm mad. I shall give myself two points. I'm now on a fantastic 007. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs? Man fends off alien invasion with a hammer. With a hammer. Yes. So when we watched Independence Day, all they needed was a club hammer. Yes. Okay, I'm interested already. The blotter is derived from recent incident reports and central dispatch records of area police agencies. This one comes from Kingsport Police Department on April 18th. Okay. Ready? I'm Robert's boom ready. A deputy responded to a complaint of an intoxicated man at a Bristol mobile home park with the suspect allegedly waving a hammer in the air and yelling, aliens are coming to get him. His name wasn't Thor by any chance, was it? (laughs) Police found him sitting on a porch of a residence, not his own. With a red cape on and and large horns coming out of his hat. (laughs) He obeyed the commands uh, to drop it, then relayed that extraterrestrials are coming for all of us. When asked about consuming medication or drugs, he told the officer, it was none of my business, officers needing to mind their own business. Hammer time. Can't touch this. (laughs) A report also notes that the suspect's clothing was unusual for the 80-degree day. He had on two jackets and ear mittens. I'm assuming that's earmuffs, right? Yes, I would say so. Has he just walked out of a cave after hibernating? (laughs) Probably. After being arrested for public intoxication, he became violent, forcing the police to take him to the ground. While being placed in a patrol car, he kicked his feet at the officers and started to scream for help. He was additionally charged with resisting arrest. But, yes, you can fend off aliens with a hammer. I know you can. I've watched Doctor Who. There is an alien on Doctor Who called a Sontaran. And if you got behind them with a hammer and hit them in the right place, they drop like a sack of potatoes. In Men fa- can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you hit them in the potatoes with a hammer, that is that is that is what happens. Yes, and you have experience of this because oh, it's just a dream. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that all the hammers are hidden around the studio. I shall give you points for letting everyone know that you can kill a Sontaran with a swift blow of a hammer in the spuds. You are now on six. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Obama won't talk about UFOs, but his pilot saw one. Wow. President Barack Obama's former counselor, John Podesta, said on the day he left office in February that his biggest regret was not securing the disclosure of the government's UFO files. The president himself was asked about this on the Jimmy Kimmel Live talk show and said, I can't reveal anything and, well, you know, that's what we're instructed to say. 
Is there anyone in Washington who will admit to have seen a UFO? How about one of Obama's pilots? Andrew Danziger has been working as a professional pilot for 28 years. In 2008, he passed rigorous background checks before becoming one of then-presidential candidate Barack Obama's personal pilots. Background checks that undoubtedly found the report he made to the National UFO Reporting Center about a UFO he encountered in 1989. Danziger recounted his UFO sighting in a recent interview. He was working for a regional airline as first officer on a flight out of Kansas City when he saw a dimly visible disc near the plane. The captain admitted seeing it as well, and neither one could identify it. They watched it for nearly 30 minutes while at cruising altitude. As they began their descent to the Waterloo, Iowa airport, the situation changed. After landing, an air traffic controller told them nothing had been visible on the radar besides their own plane, but gave them the number for the National UFO Reporting Center anyway. Both men reported the sighting. This very same thing has been reported by pilots countless times. Danziger is a veteran pilot, an international 757 and 767 captain, and a ground school instructor. Barack Obama is president of the United States. Get away. (laughs) One of them just reported a UFO. When will the other tell us what he knows? This will never happen. There there have been a number of presidents that have been very liberal with their views. Um, President Carter, I believe, was very open about UFOs, and Clinton was another one who was open about questioning on UFOs, but uh, I, I hate to make uh, Scott omnipresent in our show, having uh, discussed with him the T-shirts we're going to make up for the weekend. But he's an air traffic controller out of Duluth, and we spoke to him this weekend, and he says he gets phone calls all the time of people saying they're seeing lights and strange objects, and he goes and looks on the radar, and they all go and look out the window. And uh, there is a phone number. It's not MUFON. There's now a private organization in place that uh, they relay all their UFO sightings to. But that then makes the information private. MUFON is a, is a non-profit large organization that has very open, overt ways of dealing with the information they, that you can go onto their websites and see all the reports they list. Now this is going to a private organization. That makes that information private and can't be accessible under the um, Information Act the release of information. So it's a very interesting set of circumstances that are now happening when people are actually reporting UFOs now. It's uh, not overt as it used to be, and things are being hidden and covered up as we speak. Kim, I always forget to give you points, so I'm going to give you a fabulous three there, and you are now on six. I have a story here. We're now going to the cryptozoology part of this round. It says, Is ancient ape woman proof of Bigfoot? Scientist DNA testing claims beast was not human the legend of bigfoot has captivated people for centuries with sightings and stories ranging over continents and generations but scientists may finally be able to say that the giant creature was not a myth a leading geneticist claims to have found the best evidence that a woman who lived in the 19th century in russia could have been a yeti I know Russian women have a propensity to be hairy, but that's taking it slightly too far. Professor Brian Sykes of the University of Oxford believes a towering woman named Zana had a strain of African DNA that belonged to a subspecies of human. One zoologist wrote she was described as resembling a wild beast, and the most frightening feature of which was her expression, which was pure animal. You wouldn't want to steal her slippers then, I'm guessing. Analysis of the DNA showed that while she was 100% African, she bore little physical or genetic resemblance to any modern African group. Experts believe the wandering wild woman was found lurking in a remote region of the Republic of Abhazia. 
She was captured by a local merchant in the 1850s who hired a group of hunters to subdue and shackle her in the mountainous terrain. They then sold her on to a nobleman who tamed her and kept her on his estate until her death in 1890. Sounds a bit like the story of Tarzan, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But apparently, I don't know where they got her DNA from, but apparently they've tested her DNA and it's not human. But there's so many subspecies of humans that have become extinct. I didn't realise, well, when I was a child, I just thought there was humans and we probably evolved from apes and this is what happened. I then realised that anthropology... Uh, anthropomology? Anthropomology. <laughs> I'm edumacated. <laughs> it was a study, it's the study of other humans. Imagine that you're a, a, a corgi dog and the only dogs around are corgis. And every other species of dog has become extinct and you're just the corgi that's left. So Labradors, wiener dogs, border collies have all disappeared and there's just corgis left. And we're the corgis. I didn't realise there were so many other subspecies of humans that just didn't make it. But apparently one made it to 1890 in Russia. Well, actually, I had read a little bit on that story uh, from another website and how they got her DNA. She actually has descendants. Oh, really? Yeah, um, she was bought and sold many times. It's not the bushes, is it, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that lady was bought and sold several times by prominent men. Sure. She actually did have children. She had offspring. It had offspring. Really? Yeah. So some nobleman somewhere That's right. took a fancy to the wild woman, is yes. what you're saying. Yes, and in fact, I think it might be in this story from a long time ago that I kind of laid aside, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is the stories that I've spent all week searching under blood, sweat and tears is one you discarded some weeks ago and couldn't be bothered with. Couldn't be bothered. Okay, you've got minus one. And now back <laughs> to five. Thank you for highlighting to our listeners that you're better at me than researching and I'm getting your second hand me down. You have another story now in which you can lose more points, I believe, in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. You're going to love it. I hope so. Alien signal turns out to be, I'm not telling you until the end. It's a laser pen. Astronomers in Australia discovered an unexpected source for a series of mysterious radio signals. The team at the Parks Observatory in New South Wales had been investigating unexplained radio signals known as peritons, which bear a close resemblance to the mysterious fast radio bursts recently put forward as possible evidence of a type of intelligent extraterrestrial communication you got there in the end i did commas would be useful in that sentence at some (laughs) point wouldn't it i couldn't find a place to breathe uh far from being a message from aliens however the peritons turned out to have a far more mundane though amusing explanation fireflies we have identified strong out-of-band emission at 2.3 to 2.5 gigahertz associated with several periton events wrote an astronomer Emily. what am i missing here uh, that is a measurement. Okay, thank you. Of radio signal, if that helps. Who, no, it doesn't. No. Subsequent tests revealed that the periton can be generated at 1.4 gigahertz when a microwave oven door is opened oh. prematurely, and the telescope is prematurely. Added, so is that an appropriate? So if you take angle. it out prematurely, yes, you'll get alien signals. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in a radio telescope in Australia. Someone's thinking they've made contact with extraterrestrials. Yes. Rather than the fact that, you know, an Somebody Australian... Somebody just took out a... A ready uh, meal <laughs> while it was still semi-frozen. A rot gut burger oh, from, from your local gas station. <laughs> so, someone's having an angry hot dog at the holiday. That's right. And 200 miles somewhere in the outback in we the middle of the e. desert. 
It's Someone's getting in alien messages coming <laughs> right. through. Perfect. That's exactly that why great? that billion dollars worth of equipment is sat there listening to the skies. <laughs> so please don't take out your burrito early. <laughs> yes, unless you want children. Good times. And you shall have points. And you are now on eight. Stay with me for more of the same ghostly news after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. They also have a fabulous Facebook site. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group on Facebook has all the week's stories of UFOs from around the world. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, microwave doors opening, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. Or ready meals. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting, or know someone who has taken a meal out of a microwave too soon, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast that is more questions than answers, then you are more than welcome to contact me. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for the annoying inability to say, Abominable Snowman, live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all the way around the microwave. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolor for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips you can also access the archives to the show and the extra minutes that we have every day on our archive that is soundcloud mqta radio i have now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies i've been handed a semi-frozen fish pie and my mother has now stopped snoring from the room next door so onwards we march into the round that is strange and bizarre it's the stories from around the world that don't fit into any other category but are too good not to read out live on air heather what have you got that's strange or even bizarre man shoots armadillo and hits his mother-in-law 
Man shoots armadillo. I didn't. His mother indoors. His mother indoors. His mother indoors. If your if your mother was at death's door, I'd I'd drag her through. <laughs> In Leesburg, Georgia, a man shot an armadillo, but the bullet ricocheted off the armadillo and struck his mother-in-law. Uh, investigators say that Larry McElroy fired a pistol at the ar- armadillo Sunday night. Uh, the bullet killed the armadillo. Aww. Oh, that's a, well, yes, a cheerful story. Thanks for cheering everybody but up. But it ricocheted off, hit a fence, and went through the back door of Carol Johnson's mobile home. It went through a back door. Hit, and hit the chair in which she was sitting, hitting her in the back. <laughs> yes. Johnson's wounds are not life-threatening, probably, unfortunately, for him. I really think that if you're going to shoot the varmints and whatnot... Um, I've not ma- shot your whatnot. <laughs> maybe you- <laughs> I've not put my gun nowhere near your whatnot, madam. Maybe use a shotgun, and this was a quote from the Lee County investigator Bill Smith. So she's in a trailer home. Yes, he's out in the backyard firing, Shart- shooting dealers, shooting dealers, boy. <laughs> what you doing there, boy? Nothing. <laughs> And one of the armadillos has actually got a gun and he's firing back is where we are. It's like the Alamo, it's but like with armadillos. It's like a tank. It is like a tank. I feel sorry. I like armadillos. They're sweet. They They'd are They'd make sweet. great pets. Should we get one? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> I just think that's ridiculous. It could have had someone's eye. But it ricocheted off it. Isn't that crazy? And went through a back door. Yeah. It's a very sad story. You've made me depressed. I'm going to give you nine. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? I have a leukemia sufferer who roasts himself on a barbecue-like contraption in order to kill the cancerous cells. Well, thank you for cheering everyone up. We've got dead armadillos and leukemia <laughs> sufferers roasting themselves. Nothing like bringing some jivality and a light-hearted touch a to the show. Fire. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes, this is the strange and unbelievable round. 25-year-old Gia Binao from Yunlong County, <laughs> nice southwest try. China's Yunnan province. There wasn't a samurai warrior wearing slippers, was there? <laughs> was diagnosed with blood cancer two years ago. Well, that's just not funny anymore. Sadly, he is unable to atten- afford medical treatment, but that hasn't stopped the resilient young man from trying to get better. In a desperate attempt to rid himself of the cancerous cells plaguing his body, He's devised an alternate treatment that involves roasting himself in his backyard. He's roasting his backyard? In his backyard. Oh. Binu went through an unsuccessful bone marrow transplant procedure. That's funny, is it, kid? (laughs) That's hilarious, is it? You're a sick woman. Yes. Sick, I tell you. (laughs) Well, the price on this. Let me finish. Okay. The transplant procedure cost over $80,000 and was paid for by well-wishers. Wow. Not from China, I'm guessing, though. (laughs) Coming from a family of poor farmers, he was unable to afford further hospital treatments. That's when he heard about the concept of using heat to fight cancer. They say experts believe a temperature higher than 42 degrees Celsius can kill cancer cells, so I set up a contraption in my backyard to try. The human barbecue he built consists of a couple of logs propped up by bricks over a fire made from sawdust, twigs, and branches. We're going to call him St. Lawrence now, aren't we? Do you know what happened to St. Lawrence? Poor unfortunate saint that got roasted on a barbecue spit and he said, I'm done on this side, turn me over. No? Is anyone no. there? Just me then. Whenever you see St. Lawrence in a Renaissance picture, the saints always wear or they have with them the thing that martyred them. So ultimately, if you see uh, St. Stephen, he's got a stone on his head. If you see St. Catherine, she's holding a will, for example. Poor St. Lawrence is sat holding a barbecue. It's the God's honest truth, I tell you. You can look it up on the internet. So he's not St. Lawrence then, I'm guessing. 
No. I'm wondering with the logs and the bricks and the sawdust and twigs and branches, how he's going to control the temperature to get it to 42 degrees Celsius. Well, you know what is that in American hot. temperature? Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Absolutely no idea. You're asking me. No clue. Perhaps if he puts potatoes on it. You know, if we've got Greg's shin going round with his calf muscle on it, and we've got a few potatoes under there, we can control the temperature. It seems <laughs> it, a little odd that he's roasting himself. You would well, think, why, would why, s- why, when he's getting all this money, is he then having to do that? If you said he had enough no, money, no, he had an unsuccessful was, treatment. It oh. was eighty thousand for bone marrow transplant. Oh, okay, and it was unsuccessful. You weren't listening to her again. I was too busy thinking of recipes. <laughs> The trouble with eating a Chinese man is 20 minutes later, you want to eat another one. (laughs) I've got a story here that says earthworms rain down from the skies over Norway, puzzling scientists. Meteorologists and biologists have been left baffled by earthworms raining from the sky over southern Norway. Have they not heard of the Norwegian earthworm skydiving display team then? According to Norwegian news services, the most recent phenomenon was discovered by biology teacher Karstein Erstad while he was skiing in the mountains. I saw thousands of earthworms on the surface of the snow, he said. When I found them on the snow, they seemed to be dead. But when I put them in my hand, I found they were alive. Ever put a worm in your hand and found it to be alive, Greg? No. (laughs) He thought they may have crawled through the snow, but rejected this idea as the snow was over half a metre thick across the mountains. This is not the only time an area experiencing worms raining from the sky in Norway, with other cases found in Mulder and Bergen, both in the south of the country. One popular theory on random animal rain suggests that the worms may have been lifted up by a violent air pocket and then brought back down miles away from where they started. You wouldn't want to look up with your mouth open. I like the idea all the worms are getting sucked out of the holes. So there's a big air pocket and then you see all the worms getting... (laughs) sucked out and going up to sky like a z call like a big wheel going up to the heavens no just me just you i do know when the antichrist does come on the 24th of july there will I be think worms it's the 25th, isn't i well i'm, I'm going to prepare for the 24th and then you know we'll go from there like christmas eve <laughs> i like the way the worms go up to the heaven the rapture is taking the worms out of the ground i love that Another theory says water spouts, weather systems similar to tornadoes, can travel from seas onto land and pick up vegetation, debris and small animals, carrying them miles away from where they started before they blow themselves out. According to Erstat, it's not a new phenomenon, with reports of worms raining from skies above Norway dating back to the 1920s. The rain of worms isn't confined to just Norway, though. A similar case was reported at a Scottish secondary school in 2011. This is like a dream come true for birds, isn't it? This is birds' fast food. You're flying through the sky and suddenly your dinner goes whizzing by. Do you see what I'm saying? This is fast food for birds. You can't believe your luck. There it is in front of you as you're flying along as a worm, dangling itself in front of you with a parachute on. It's like dinner coming down. That's like driving along a highway or along the interstate in your car and someone throwing a hamburger through the window, right? I thought you were going to say something about roadkill. I was getting ready to go, what? (laughs) Roadkill worms. (laughs) So what song would accompany this story? For extra points, what song am I now going to sing? Any clues? What song would accompany this particular story? It's raining worms. Hallelujah. That was one of them. Yeah, you're there on (laughs) 10. If the worms were cold on the snow, I was going to sing purple worms, purple worms, which reminds me of June, of course, because there was purple worms in June. And I shall give myself (laughs) 
point. We now stumble lifeless <laughs> like a mummy coming out of a tomb in ancient Egypt with our bandages wrapped around our legs into the round that is not for your mother. This is the round where if your mother is of a nervous disposition, if you're easily offended, if there's minors in the room, if there's a small group of uh, dwarf-like creatures with long floppy hats and pickaxes working their way into the mines, you need to go and put them out to rest. Because this is the round that is laden with the stories that we could not tell at any other point of the evening. So, Heather, what have you got for me tonight? And you have been warned in the round of Not For Your Mother. I'm going to help you again. You're going to help me again? Mm -hmm. Wow, you are in the lead, so uh, you you can get more points here. I'm going to tell you what it's like. Are you? Great. Yeah, this is what life is like for a man with a seven-pound, nine-inch, artificially enhanced penis. Okay. (laughs) You excited now? You've really thrown yourself into your work, aren't you? (laughs) I love the way you got your mouth around that last word. (laughs) Penai. There is a man living in Germany walking around with a nine-inch, three-inch wide penis. Three-inch wide Wide. Is he living in Germany, but some of him's in Switzerland? Uh, <laughs> is he penetrating the border crossings? I am going to Is he read in this. Austria when he's asleep at night and he rolls over? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to read this pretty much word for word. King Dingaling's Dong Tips. I'm sorry. <laughs> I read that story when I was a kid. It's about a man with a beard who goes after a princess. Dr. Seuss? Yes, that's oh, it. I remember God. that one. Uh, Ham and two eggs. <laughs> that's not what it's called it's called green eggs and ham okay ham and two eggs <laughs> you got the wrong version over there no i think we got the right one mine was illustrated <laughs> king dingling's dong tips you don't have to say it twice what's wrong with you <laughs> at an astounding have seven you had a pounds bet with someone to say that you're gonna say that i bet there's someone out there at the moment you've had a bet with live on air i where, bet well you say i can't I bet I can read that out three times in a row. Ding dong. You don't do it. I don't want you to make money. (laughs) Uh, That sounds like a Christmas carol, kind of. I'm not going to knock on doors and show them that at Christmas Day. I'll get kicked out of the country. I can still be deported for moral turpitude. Well, I don't think you have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. No, I'm not German. Wisconsin better be worried, though. Uh, anyway, this guy, Vice, that was doing the interviews, he caught up with the man rocking the biggest cock in Deutschland. Deutschland, not Deutschland. <laughs> <laughs> Deutschland. Where's that? Uh, uh, to talk to him about what life is Deutschland. like. Deutschland. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> when you have a seven pound penis that's been injected with silicone. That's two and a half bags of sugar, Kim. That's uh, the size of a baby. <laughs> that's a baby. <laughs> There are jokes in there, but... (laughs) (laughs) This is quite possibly the most fascinating thing you'll hear today. So, he introduced himself as Micah. He didn't want the person to use his full name. I'm not sure why. It's not like he wouldn't get noticed. And patiently, he answered the questions. He actually showed me, I'm speaking as the interviewer, uh, his silicone-enhanced penis and let me touch it. (laughs) Touch, is it touch, real? It feels real. You can, you can touch it, Kim. You're closest. This is this, this gets good. He said, "I met him again and again <laughs> over the course of a half a year." Half a year <laughs> to find oh. about 
uh, find out more about this 45-year-old and his 9-inch long, 3-inch wide, 7-pound penis. Um, there were some obvious things that I should get out of the way early on when it comes to sex. Apparently, the sil- silicone implants provide no physical pleasure boost. And any erection Micah gets happens inside his massive foreskins. As such, what? it isn't visible with the naked eye. Naked eye you can't get your words out properly, I can can't. you? I can't. I'm just trying to picture this. But it I does. bet you are. <laughs> um, I bet you've got a drawing somewhere. Actually, I think I do have a picture of it. Somewhere. Did he just plop it out and he drew around it with a pencil? <laughs> a large marker. <laughs> a sharpie. It's like the, uh, what, the, what do they do with the dead bodies? <laughs> I'll just go and get some more chalk, shall I? I haven't got. I haven't brought enough with me. I'm going to go well, back to the car get another. I'm going to go on to some questions. But the first question he had is: the first time I saw you, I immediately noticed your gigantic bulge. Why did you yes, enlarge I eat a lot your pe- of hamburgers? <laughs> Why did you enlarge your penis with silicone injections? Did he do it himself? Uh, no. He said it's kind of a long story. I think the whole thing started 20 years ago when I got a penis pump as a present. It was it's a not mine, to- baby. It's not mine. It, it has your name on it. It's not mine. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I was way too curious uh, not to try it out. First, I tried it secretly for myself, but then it happened that I went out pumped up and i realized that it was a good feeling so he liked pumping himself up is he standing in the middle of the street sort of going pretty much like a balloon animal Uh, is he standing there making models for kids is he doing like a giraffe he's standing there with his pants only nine inches well i mean you could make a small dolphin i guess or a camel (laughs) i think the giraffe might be a stretch here's a hot dog (laughs) (laughs) hey kids seeing it's your birthday Wow, even managed to get the nose on that elephant. Uh, well, and then I know this is on everybody's mind, but how it's on is the it? tip of your tongue, is it? It's on everybody's lips. <laughs> he wanted to know how it affected his sex life. And he said, after you reach a certain size, you can't do certain things anymore. Like ride a bicycle, go swimming, <laughs> look after children. Oh, that's a flotation device, certainly. God, if you went swimming in the sea, it's then- a buoy. <laughs> it's, a bo- it's a danger to shipping. If he was doing backstroke, oh, they'd God. think there was a shark coming oh. in shore and there'd be people screaming. Well, anyway, he says, at least not without, uh, not with everyone and not without some foreplay. But there are other things that you can do with it. You can hide in he a vegetable rack and scare d- small children at parties. <laughs> it looks like a cucumber. I've put a face Egg on plant. it. Eggplant. <laughs> Spaghetti squash. I think you're taking it too far. Butternut squash? <laughs> no. I think we'll leave. <laughs> um, he said you just have to free yourself from established roles and hardened ideas about sex. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's broken down, ladies and gentlemen. She's crying. <laughs> and be ready to play. You have a photograph, don't you? I do. Uh, it's, at, <laughs> it's at home. <laughs> I've been told that my penis looks like an ass or a mouth from the front. <laughs> It looks oh like my a word! An ass's mouth. <laughs> an ass's mouth. Yeah, an ass or a mouth from the front. How does it look like? What is smiling? I don't at know. You? You're going to have to use your imagination. Is I it am grimacing? So sorry. It's smiling. I, it's kind of got like wind. There's a pucker. It's a pucker. <laughs> <sighs> I did warn people. This was the round of not for your mother. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're offended, you have only got yourself <laughs> to blame, ladies and gentlemen. I will put Heather on a very hefty. 12. I have a story here. Man accidentally sent girlfriend video of himself having sex with their dog. 
Oh. oh. A man accidentally sent his girlfriend a video of himself having sex with their dog. Depraved David Buchanan, 34, decided to have a romp with their pet, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, while his partner was at work. To be fair, those Rhodesian Ridgebacks are good looking. But as he watched porn, he filmed the sickening act on a tablet computer without realising it was automatically linked to her mobile phone. His Aww. girlfriend was horrified when a 29-second clip started playing on her handset, showing him having sex with a 10-month-old pet. The woman immediately called the police and Buchanan, who admitted the offence, was arrested and charged with sexual assault. Keith Ballinger, prosecuting, told magistrates in Swindon, Wiltshire, England, this comes to light because it is reported by his then partner. She was at work on this day and received her mobile phone, a 29-second video clip from a tablet computer. It appears her mobile phone and the tablet are linked by the cloud, and it is the way in which the video was sent to her. When arrested, he said he knew he had done wrong, and it was stupid. He had been at home watching pornography and wondered what it would be like to have sex with the dog. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? Ellen McEnore, <laughs> defending, said, There is a great deal of embarrassment and shame about what has happened. He spends most of his time at home, drawing or playing Xbox, and he doesn't seem to have any friends outside of the previous relationship. Well, he needs to get some pets then, doesn't he? Buchanan oh. from Royal Wootton Bassett, Wiltshire, was given 12-week sentence suspended for two years. He's also signed the Sex Offenders Register for seven years and was given 50 days of rehabilitation. 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 Do you think in rehabilitation they show him pictures of dogs and every time he looks at one they electrocute him? Here's a Great Dane. Zzz, uh, here's a Corgi. Zzz, uh, I don't know. What does rehabilitation <laughs> from having dog sex consist of? I'd like to know. He was ordered to pay £85 cost and £80 victim surcharge. The dog says it doesn't know what it's going to do with the £80 yet, but it's upset that Mr Buchanan doesn't even call or write anymore. Well, at least it was a female dog. Oh, very strange. Yeah. What's wrong with tube socks? And very bizarre. They don't push back, apparently. Oh, Kim, what have you got for me in the round? <laughs> the dog said it was rough. What have you oh, got for me in the round? No. Of strange and bizarre. No, we're in the round of not for your mother, even though yes. that is strange and bizarre. Are you feeling blue? Smell the armpit of a happy man. <laughs> oh. Greg looks happy. And he's wearing and he's, blue. It is. He, and he's, he's got, got his, his hands, hands up. He's got his hands behind the back of his head, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a shame you're too far away, Greg, for me to get a proper sniff. I keep it that way, too. <laughs> if you are feeling blue and need a quick pick-me-up, then consider a new finding by a study, Smell the Armpit of a Happy Man. The results of a study published in the journal Psychological Science suggest that a woman will respond positively when exposed to the sweat of a man who is in a happy state at the time the sweat is collected. <laughs> in a happy state. <laughs> Stay there, sweetheart. I'm getting happier. <laughs> Olfactory communication, the sense of smell, was most likely the first sensory system that evolved. Yes, of course. It kept us safe and away from harm and predators, no doubt. And we managed to find a mate by sniffing them out. Oh, no. You've not seen the advert for Axe on the telly then? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, the study found that chemical signals or chemosignals in sweat odor can enliven others. Researchers had taken sweat samples from 12 men after ex instructing them to watch videos. <laughs> Involving dogs and midges. Um, that altered oh. mind states to fear or happiness. Ooh. 
The reason behind choosing women as subject was their ability to better detect smells and they are more sensitive to emotional signals. See, it's not that smelly in the bedroom, it's just that your nose is more highly advanced in its olfactory state. <laughs> That's it, though. <laughs> the author of the study, Goon Samin, said No, no, that- no, hang no. on. <laughs> I think you'll find that semen. <laughs> What's his last name? S-E-M-I-N. Yes, semen. (laughs) (laughs) Said that being exposed to sweat produced under happiness induces a simulacrum of happiness in receivers and induces a contagion of the emotional state. You wouldn't want to read that twice. No. The professor also added, somebody who is happy happy will infuse others in their vicinity with happiness. I'm very happy at the moment, so if anyone wants to come and have a sniff, you feel free to do so. You want to infuse them? I will infuse you, madam. It's perfectly natural. I read it on a radio report. Let me infuse you. Here's a drink. Uh, This suggests that somebody who is happy will infuse others in their vicinity with happiness. In a way, happiness sweat is somewhat like smiling. It is infectious. So in that... Midget is working in that mining vicinity of the cave, chiseling away and building up a sweat. All the others around happy are going to obviously be happy by default because he's infusing them as he's working. So Sneezy, Bashful, Doc are very happy because they work with... Dopey might not know the difference. Happy. We come to the end of the show. And all good things must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter with the dead battery, it is Greg on four points, who basically scored four points for lying on his back and putting his armpits in the hair for everyone to look at. (laughs) But he's still doing it. Put your shirt back on, man. In second place, I am on ten points. Kim is on eight in third place, but our resounding winner running away into double figures with the highest score of this series so far for singing Purple Worms and It's Raining Worms. It's Heather on 12 points and she wins the $33,000 IR camera. Still winning. Still winning. You won last week, didn't you? Yes. We'll put a stop to that. Oh. (laughs) Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week when Heather will be coming last. (laughs) And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird because nobody likes a smart ass. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including Microwave Ready Mills, the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, The Weathermen, and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.